Welcome to Gears Action Growth, shifting business culture one conversation at a time. My name is Christy Mori, and I usually join Dr. Josephine Palermo, whose superpower is to create business cultures that transform organizations team by team. But today we have a testimony about resilience and courage that is close to our hearts as Josephine will have a conversation with co-founder of Higher Spaces, Shu Tan. Hope you get value from it. morning, Shu. How are you feeling today? I'm good, Josephine. Good to have you with me today. Oh, it's lovely to be here. It's my absolute um, best part of the day today. I was really excited about this conversation. Um, and um, for those of you that um, don't know Shu, um, Shu Tan is um, a very dear friend of mine. She's been my business partner at Higher Spaces for the whole time we've um, developed the business. We actually conceived of the business together and then developed and, and grew the business. And also, as well as that, she's a strategy manager at uh, Telstra and a proud mum to Milo, the dog extraordinaire Cavoodle, and also life partner to Chia. And there's lots of other things that happen in Shu's life, but she's going to explain that today. So welcome today, Shu. Um, and let's just really just get started in the conversation. Uh, today, Shu is going to share her story about, in her words, surviving shitty hard times and how she learned to put peace first followed by courage faith and hope with a sprinkle of love to create her recipe for resilience so over to you Shu we're going to have um, lots of time to really explore your experience so start wherever you'd like to start thank you Josephine it's just so heartwarming um listening to you, how you're introducing me and how you've been part of my life, you know, for so many years. And it's just been so wonderful. So thank you. And thank you for this opportunity to um, share my story. I've had um, a, a really interesting year, uh, the past year, and I've been thinking, how do I share the story? You know, do I write it? Do I blog it? Um, and then when you asked me to do the podcast, I, I felt that that's the right way to do it, a podcast, because it's a conversation and you could hear my voice. You could sense, you know, how um, things have been for me and how I survived it all. So it's just so perfect to do this through a podcast. So thank you, Josephine. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, so uh, just to give you guys some context, and I don't want to dwell on those shitty hard times, nor do you <laughs> or anyone for too long, but uh, it is a very important context to what I'm sharing. Um, in late 2020, which is in the midst of the world COVID pandemic that everyone went through, I was diagnosed with stage 2 aggressive breast cancer. And that's kind of how the doctor um, call it uh, in my very first appointment with him. So it doesn't sound great, you know, and I, I um, yeah, I, I'm 49 when, when that happened. And I also then found out that I have a faulty mutation um, gene. And this faulty gene is called bracket one. And if everybody knows about Angelina Jolie's story, I have exactly the same faulty gene as she does. So you know what's coming, you know. We had to do and um, we had to remove, um, uh, you know, some important organs of our body to survive. So, so what this all means is my life is at stake 
you know, you, you talk about that, you say that, and but, you know, for me, that sort of, it's so real and it's so shitty and it's mm. so scary. Uh, so, you know, it, when I told some friends who were really upfront with me, their first reaction was, that's so shit. And I'm like, yeah, it's big shit. <laughs> 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 How shit can life get? So, um, with the faulty gene, and also just to give you some idea what that means, it does expose me to 80% risk of getting another breast cancer, which I do not want. And Shoo, sorry, was it 80%? Yeah, eight it's zero. zero. Mm-hmm, Josephine. Wow, wow. <laughs> and 45% risk of getting ovarian cancer. So that's the breasts and the ovaries. Uh, so that's... Holy shit, yeah? So I am likely, in, in plain English, I am likely to die much sooner than the average life expectancy of um, a woman, yeah? Uh, which is roughly about 75 or 80, I think, years old. So since that discovery and understanding of what it means to, to me, my entire life took a 360 turn. And for once in my life, I really want to live I don't want to die yet. <laughs> we want you to live too. Shit. Yeah, I know. And many people want me to live. So there's, you know, the, the obligation to continue my life. And and at that moment, everything that I, I know or I have achieved no longer matters. It really doesn't matter. All that matters is how do I manage this extremely hard situation. It's not like a problem I can solve. It's not. It's really hard stuff and it's not going to go away after I sleep for the next 24 hours. No. Mm. Uh, the facts are there. Uh, the doctors are in my face almost every week telling me that. So what do I do? And one of the first thing I was really determined to do is to protect my mind and my heart. And for those who know me, I'm quite a spiritual person. I connect a lot with my soul and my mind. So those were the two things that I want to really protect. And I know it, I could easily go the other way. So easily. I could be overwhelmed by this and, you know, I could feel really sad, really depressed. Uh, and I could be crying till dawn or dusk, whichever way you want to, you know, turn this around. And I don't want to be in that position for too long. It's interesting to me, Shu, you, in some ways you made a choice. There was a decision that you could make about that. You're so exactly right, Josephine. And that's what I learned. That is actually a decision. It's a choice you make. Um, to a lot of people, they would say, oh, I can't help feeling this and that. I can't help thinking this and that. But I'm telling you, you can you can. You can help not thinking or not worrying, not deliberating and not going over and over in your head how bad it is. You can stop it. Yeah. But it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of self-talking. I'm lucky because I love to talk to myself. <laughs> <laughs> lucky. I know, lucky in a way, because I'm used to it. 
So, you know, I'm used to hearing my own voice and explaining things to myself. <laughs> But, <laughs> you know, apart from joking about this, I think it's a really good technique to use. If you're someone who's not used to that, it can be very difficult to listen to your own voice. And sometimes you might be listening to the wrong voice. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of the first um, decision I made. And... And to Josephine's early point about peace. So what I said to myself is, how do I protect my mind and my heart? How? How, do, how does one stop thinking about how bad the situation can get with every test results that I am waiting to get? And when I was going through the breast cancer diagnosis in the first couple of months, I probably have done about 10 different body scans. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. And, you know, those are the ones that you see on TV, the tunnel that you go in and um, they scan you from top to toe. Yeah. And they do lots of blood tests and ultrasound and radiotherapy. So I've done... A lot, many, but but with each test, you worry. You do worry, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because you worry about what the test is going to reveal more bad stuff. You never think about what the test would reveal more, you know, negative stuff. You don't because you're already in a really negative position. So then, what I what I realize is I need to learn how to wait without worrying unnecessarily. And you'd be amazed how common sense is sometimes our best counselor during hard times mm. like this. And the common sense in me was saying, worry does absolutely nothing good. My situation is already bad enough. Why would I want to worry to make it worse? Am I that stupid? <laughs> I love the way you talk to yourself. I too. know. It's like, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> And Josephine, you know me. Am I an idiot? <laughs> no, you're not an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so don't make myself an idiot just because I'm going through this bad, hard time. Okay. So that's kind of what I said to myself. And it's become a really good coping mechanism for me every time worry takes over in my head. And then every time... Um, An uneasy feeling comes into my heart. So that's kind of what I say and what I remind myself that worry does absolutely nothing good. This is, this is the words that I'm telling you that sort of keep repeating in my head. It's such a um, healthy nagging thing in my head. <laughs> um, So it does take a lot, a great deal of discipline and self-talking. And one of, the, uh, one of the things that I've realized too is I started to write these down so I don't forget. Great. So mm. you realize that when you go through uh, what I've went through, you, you tend to forget things easily. Yeah. So I do write uh, some of these down. And one of the things I wrote to help me to cope um, on almost a daily basis Uh, and I like to read that to you if, if that's okay. Absolutely. So what I wrote is a, like a mini poem, you know. 
I choose not to accumulate anxieties, worries, and fears. I release them in the moment in exchange for peace. Peace gives me power. It protects my mind and heart. I choose peace. What would you choose? Yeah, that's beautiful and powerful too. I love that shoe. Thank you, Josephine. Mm. Thank you. And these were words that helped me to find peace. So, so that's how I learned to practice peace. It's a it's a very self learning journey. I find um, I did try to read uh, read up about you know books or, or even ask friends who's gone through the same. You know how do they find the peace? Everyone has a very different way of. Um, looking for that peace of mind, uh, and this is my way, and it really works. Mm. And I like to share yeah. that um, with anyone who 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 finds it really hard to understand what peace is and to find it and to hold on to it. Yeah. So peace, I uh, I find that um, has given me a new understanding to how I cope with the really hard stuff in life that is beyond me, beyond human. And it's super important. Some people find peace through meditation. So you don't know what's real peace until you hold it in a storm. So that's a really big aha moment for me. Yeah. Peace isn't something that happens or you feel it when everything in your life is good. That's not peace. Yeah, Josephine. That's. I often find, you know what? I it's it's. <laughs> It seems a bit trite, but I often find that through these really hard times and through a lot of contrast is where we learn most about where that is. So it's very wise of you, Shu, to kind of put that into those words. I love those words. You, you know, you don't find peace until you, you find it in a storm. Um, I'm going to take that one. That That's a good one. Yeah, that's I give it to you, out. Josephine. <laughs> I give it to you. Take it and do something with it. <laughs> Thank you, Shu. <laughs> So, so then, so, so you found a way to get that piece. My, I had a question around that though. What does that feel like? So, you know, cause people might be thinking, well, what does, what, what does she mean by peace for you? What does it feel like? So that's a really good question. And I would probably answer it in three parts. Um, how I feel like from a body sense, physical way how I feel like in my mind, in my head, and how I feel feel it in the soul. So the body, mind, and soul. And that's why it's so powerful. So peace, it helps me to sleep better. I could finally sleep without worrying, without waking up at 3 a.m., and reminding myself, I've got breast cancer. I might die. So that peace has helped me to sleep through the night, stop waking up at 3 a.m. And help me to breathe better when, when I'm about to see the doctor to get the next test results. Yeah, so that's from a physical sense. And many, many things, many other things, like my appetite was so good too. So it really helps you to keep your body going in a good way. And it's really important to have that sense that you are in control of your body still with that peace in your, in, in your mind. 
And in your mind, when you have peace, it stops you from getting too sad. And I've never been a super sad person. Um, yeah, I might get depressed on and off as a woman. <laughs> your hormones are up and down. <laughs> but with peace, it stabilizes a lot of that and it balances how your mind could manage the bad stuff, which is the negativity, and cushion it with a bit more positivity. So your mind is sort of kept balanced. And not just for one day, but hopefully for, for every day. Most days when you wake up, you feel you have a clearer set of mind to tackle and handle what will come today. Yeah. So it does help me from a mind perspective to take everything one day at a time or sometimes even one hour at a time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's a big change for me because you know me, I like to sort of look forward. I like, you know, I'm a strategist. I love to look into the future. <laughs> and I have, I have to stop myself from looking too far out based on the situation I'm in, because looking too far out, there's just too many uncertainties. And this is a joke, maybe for most people, but I started to write my will. <laughs> you wow. know, I started to prepare, and mm. I actually did it. Mm. Uh, and I have it legally done, but I just needed to change a few stuff, because even my husband doesn't know a lot of my assets. All my liabilities, you know, it's going to take over all the debts. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to get a surprise. Yeah, he's got, it will pass. And from a soul perspective, and you would never expect that when you're going through difficult times in your life when it's so beyond you, is that I could feel joy. Not every day, but there were moments, you know, across the last eight or nine months, and many moments, I could sense joy. And put a smile on my face. And people wonder, how, how is it possible that you sound so cheerful, Shu? <laughs> when, <laughs> when you talk, when you share about your, you know, w w the cancer type that you mm. have and the faulty gene, you, you could just say it as if it's not you, it's not in you. And I said, I don't know. And I realized it's because I already have that peace in my, in my heart. So that's kind of, I, I, I hope that helps answer your question. So that's how tangible uh, if it is for me. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess the next part of your, you know, resilience journey or the resilience recipe was around courage, hope and faith all together. You talk about them being all together. So what, what was happening for you there? Mm. Uh, so the other thing that I had to battle with was how scared I was. It's really scary times of my life. Um, it's a kind of fear that I've never experienced before. And I can't even describe to you how what, what level of fear that is. Um, maybe it could be as scary as you jumping off an aeroplane without a parachute. Okay? <laughs> maybe. I've never done that. But <laughs> I can imagine that's really frightening. So, because this fear for me is so big and huge that it could literally eat me up, you know, literally, I felt like I needed a, a different kind of bravery 
to, to manage it. And when I when I go seek for the courage that I, I know, you know, because we've gone through other, well, I've gone through difficult times in my past life and learned how to be brave through through things. But this is so different. And so I realize if, if I... If I take the same courage that I know and apply in this situation, it's not going to cut it. Uh, firstly, it's not going to be sustainable. And I don't think, I think I will be quite defeated at most times. So then I realized that courage combined with two other ingredients, hope and faith, works so well together. You know, it's like when you're baking and the cake doesn't rise because you forgot the baking powder or baking right. soda. Yeah. Uh, but you can still make a cake out of it. So that's kind of what I realized about combining courage, hope and faith. And it gave me more muscle to courage. Uh, and I, I have also put it to test, obviously being m me, I want to test if this really works. And what does hope mean and what does faith mean? So hope is what I realize is it gives me the strength to repeatedly, and I have to say this again, repeatedly pick myself up and start again. And that could be the next 12 hours. You know, that's sort of how my clockwork started to happen. I realized that, uh, you know, a day is like a whole year. <laughs> Sometimes. You know, when I go through the treatment, uh, a day, uh, when I have my treatment days, which means I go for chemotherapy, a day feels like a big struggle for me. So I have to cling on to the hours. And how do I do that? With that hope. So I have to do it repeatedly and no matter how hard it gets. And then faith, it's give, it gives me endurance to keep up with this very long race. And I'm talking about one day. <laughs> so, and, and, and that really helps me to keep going for eight to nine months of this. The chemo that I had was really, really intense because of the type of cancer I had. So I had two different types of chemo and they, they were weekly. And they take almost the same amount of days to recover. Before you know it, I'm back to chemo. <laughs> So I hope this helps to sort of give you a sense of why courage, hope and faith together has worked really well for me, especially for a very, very intense period of my time, physically and mentally. It's interesting, Shu, that you're sort of talking about, you know, that you your sense of bravery that you've had in the past, because you, you know, you, you've gone through challenges before, wasn't going to cut it for this. And, and so that's kind of quite an insight. How did you come to that insight that then you needed something else? And then how did you put that together? Because again, that's like a pivotal, like I feel like that's a pivotal moment. It's a, again, a choice you made. True, Josephine. Um, I love your questions <laughs> because I would not think about it that way. But I think because I tried using a bravery I knew and it didn't work and I, I felt defeated I still feel really weak it, it, yeah I, I couldn't cope 
uh, especially for the first couple of months. And then, like most people, you seek for a cosmic thing, you know, something out there that I haven't really got sort of connected to. So that cosmic connection for me is my spiritual faith. And it could be something else for others, for you, depending on what your belief system is. But for me, the hope and faith came about through reminding myself of my spiritual belief and my spiritual values. So all your beliefs, all your values that you hold on to so deeply to help you get through life so far, you know, 49 years of my life, that's kind of my uh, my pivotal moment. I, I can actually, and that's the beauty of, I don't know why I would say this, but that's the beauty of getting a critical illness at a later stage of your life because you have 49 years of experiences yes. to leverage. If I had this when I was 20 years old or tw even 25 years old, I don't think I can give this sort of insight to myself or to anyone else. You know, Josephine? Mm. That's wonderful, Shu. And and what about uh, just in terms of your faith and your, your, your Christian beliefs, how pivotal were they for you? Because I know you're touching on that, but is there anything else you want to say about that? It's, it's become very core in, in who I am. It, it sort of defines who I am, yeah, more so than ever before. Fantastic. And so it was that that um, that was the the faith aspect, and then you had the hope aspect, and then you had a new form of courage, and all of those together. Uh, and then you also talked about love being important. Even so the way how you is say love the important. Yes, Josephine. Even the way you you say the word love gives me a sense of, oh, so nice. <laughs> and can you imagine how people were demonstrating love to me through gifts, through text messages, or just even saying, I'm thinking of you. I'm like, wow, you're so busy. And I know a lot of people are really busy going through their own struggles. And yet they had a moment or even just a minute to think about me. That for me is so comforting. So what love did was it reminded me that the acts of kindness and love from people is so important to help me. It's part of the treatment, actually, love. It's part of the treatment, helping me to get through this and helping me to count my blessings. And love is not something you could put a price on it. You, you can't buy love. It's not a pill you can take. And that's why it's so precious and important. And I feel that when I receive the love from friends and family, or even those who are not so close to me, I felt that they are giving me some form of comfort and care that not even the doctors or the nurses could do. So that's how precious and important it is. And it helps me to realize that part of my ritual through this not just the peace and the courage but also with love to feel the sense of gratitude 
um, I think more and more people are talking about being grateful during mm. this pandemic. It really helps rather than complaining about lockdown. Let's just be grateful. We at least have a home to be locked down in. As opposed to the yes. homeless, they don't have a home to yes. be locked down in. They're not, if, if, if they find a place, it's not comfortable. So it really helps with gratefulness. It, again, I think it's a, it's, it's, um, it comes in full circle, the love and feeling grateful gives you a sense of peace as well. And with the peace, you find the courage bigger than you ever imagined to cope with things. So I think they're also connected. And, and when you talk about love, you're talking about that kind of received love. Um, some people have a problem with received love. Did you ever have a problem with that? Did, was, there, was this some uh, this experience for you, an experience that changed that for you, or was it always a kind of strength of yours to be able to receive love? I, I had to pause to think how to respond to this. Um, I probably don't have a problem receiving love from those I love very much, like yourself, you know. Um, but I was pretty surprised and taken aback by love or acts of kindness shown by those I don't really know or I'm not sure if we do have a connection, but they're showing me love. I, I tend, I, you know, in my usual normal self, I might be more judgmental. <laughs> but during the period when when that happens, I feel that that generosity to me it makes me feel that I just open up and receive it. Yeah, even though I don't really know them well or even though they don't really understand what I'm going through, it doesn't really matter. I just receive it uh, and that's sort of been a great blessing. And you spoke about that at one point, Shu, so maybe you can ex extrapolate on that. You were saying that people don't really understand, you know, they couldn't understand what you were going through and, uh, but, but that you had this level of acceptance around that because I think that's important too. Yes, definitely. And, and I would say it's my lesson learned, don't dismiss people just because they don't understand your situation. And honestly, why would they understand it if they haven't gone through the same as me? And to be honest, I've reached out to other friends who've gone through the same as me, but everybody's situation is so different. They can understand partly, but they couldn't understand fully. So I realized that this is, this is not about me expecting people to totally understand or even partially understand. I think this is me allowing myself to be more gracious, I guess. Yeah. I'm not a very gracious person sometimes, but it just it just taught me how to be more gracious. Yes. And and she, what else has this experience taught you? So so you've kind of talked about what, you know, kind of built your resilience, but um but sort of looking forward, and I know you're still in this journey, it's still not completely over, although you are cancer free right now, which is fabulous. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Uh, but but what else has it taught you 
or it, it just in terms of all the aspects of your life? Mm-hmm. It's taught me that it is okay to express how shitty the situation is <laughs> and stop saying it's okay because it's not okay. Yes, yeah. it's definitely not okay. Yeah. And don't be shy. Like I say to myself, so stop being shy about saying that it's hard. And what matters, and also it's taught me, because I'm a problem solver. You know, I solve problems and we go with the five whys. Yeah. Why, 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 why? Actually, it's taught me sometimes not asking why is actually better especially going through things that is beyond your control, like a critical illness. It doesn't help to ask why for yes. too long. And, and also, you, you can ask why, but don't go to Dr. Google. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest lesson. Go to your doctor. Ask him everything you want to know. Because <laughs> Dr. Google mess up with your head. Sometimes, yeah. And did you actually, but did you go to Dr. Google at one stage? I did. I did. And it was horrible. I was like, I'm going to die tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> you know. All the misinformation. All the and- misinformation and context, it's out of context. And yes. everybody's situation is different. And I was so glad. I have a really good team of doctors and they did warn me not to rely on Google. Right. Yes. And they did say to me that they could ask me anything. And I did. I asked them too much. <laughs> so I think I, we go to Dr. Google for um, some of our public health information that we perhaps shouldn't go to Dr. <laughs> Google about as well. So that's a really good lesson. lesson to, sorry, you were saying. No, I'm just thinking, like, there's so many big lessons, but I... I you know, it's just hard to put it into uh, one sentence or a paragraph of answers for you. Uh, but I think the, the one that I've just sort of shared with you is it's, it really stuck in my head. And um, the, the helping me to move forward more is the what and the how. And to take the what and the how from trusted, from, from people you trust and... And making sure you test, you know, you test the methods that you're, you're learning through. Always test it. If it doesn't work, then stop doing it. Uh, and if it works, then keep doing it. Don't drop it. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're really good lessons. And, um, you know, is there, are you a different person at the end of this shoe? Like it sounds like there's lots of difference that you've learned, but are you a different person in terms of your goals and your wants and desires going into the future? And I'm thinking about, you know, personal life, work life, Mm -hmm. career. Yes, I'm definitely a changed woman. I think there's a song about that. (laughs) I'm sure there is. (laughs) From a personal perspective, I feel that I'm less impatient. I feel that I can wait. I can wait for answers. I can wait for things to self-resolve. I don't always have to be in control. 
So the waiting has always been a hard one for me. I'm I'm quite an impatient person, as you know. <laughs> I like you're to... very action orientated. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Very action orientated. I would have a list of things and get on with it, and so that sort of not bec- not me anymore. I I feel that I could let things just happen and see how it goes and wait before I act. And and, how, and, and also, you know, we, we how do you, how does this affect your understanding of work in your life? Because that that's really interesting to me. Because I often I often think about work and the balance, you know, between that and other things that I I value in my life. Has that changed for you? Yeah, I think the my idea of how much effort and time I put into work has changed. Previously, I would wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is turn on my computer and just get on to, to the work of, of the day. But that's not what I would do anymore. I want to wake up and have a sense of calm and peace through either meditation or my spiritual reading just to get myself ready, in, my inner self ready. And I literally don't turn on my computer. I don't look at my social media. So that's my first 30 minutes of the day that I've been practicing doing. And I want to keep that going when I go back to work. And also to make sure that I do have the work-life balance um, and devote myself to things I would enjoy doing, not just work. Even though I do enjoy working, but it can't take up 100% of my time in the day. So I'm really curious how I can try to maintain this when I get back to work. But also I'm excited that I found this new balance in my head and my mind and I'm really committed to that. So that's sort of a big change for me and start to prioritize what really matters and not take on too much. So I've started to practice that to delegate the housework to my husband to delegate all the supermarket shopping to my husband. And he's doing more now. And, he, you know, he's quite surprised that there's a lot to do. <laughs> previously, really? Think, surprised? Yeah, surprised. <laughs> I think previously I was taking on too much. I'm feeling kind of bad if I do delegate more. So I think in the work context, it would be the same to understand that I have the right to have balance and I'm not a lazy person, so I would do the much that I can do and not feel bad about delegating some of the work to others. Mm, so absolutely. that's sort of a, a, a big lesson to learn and take it into a work-life context. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, going back to your idea of starting the morning differently, that's something that I'm um, putting in practice as well because – I was finding the same thing that I was waking up and going straight into work or emails or whatever's on, you know, whatever's binging at me on the phone, pinging at me on the phone. But I'm, um, I need that sense of calm going into the day. So I think that's a really good lesson. So Shu, that's an incredible story. You've gone that journey has has been um, for me really insightful. There's lots of lessons in that. Is there anything else you think that? you know, is important to that journey? How would you, because we'll, we'll, we'll kind of finish up the conversation in a moment, but anything else you wanted to add? 
I, I would say that at times I feel that I am just so self-focused for the entire journey of this, which is about eight to nine or ten months now. And the thing that I was sort of feeling in my heart was to pay it forward, to give back somehow, um, to help people actually, <laughs> although, you know, I shouldn't do too much. And I started to think of what are the small ways that I could show care back to others. And I know people are struggling with a lot of things, homeschooling, being home alone or having the kids around um, and or doing home renovation and they have to stop halfway because of the construction workers stopping. So then for me is how to help and how to show care back to people who are struggling these, you know, th things through through the pandemic. Um, so I realized that showing care back to others is a form of paying back, but it, it helps me to focus less on my situation. And some days I'm surprised how I could get how I could have got through the day without feeling the weakness um, uh, that I would normally feel. And that's because I was focusing on caring for someone that day. So if you know what I mean, it's sort of yes. a, an interesting form of paying forward that is actually helped me to focus less on me. So that sometimes that helps, not all the time, but and, and do it when I can. I don't, there's no obligation. So yeah, one big lesson for me is don't feel obligated to do anything for anyone in life. <laughs> do it because you want to. Do it because you really authentically care about doing it. And for me, a lot of people, maybe myself too, you do things out of obligation. Sometimes you don't realize it. Of but you course. Do. Yeah, we do things out of obligation and that doesn't really help anyone. So part of part of this journey is understanding um, the me in me, the focus of me, but also how to express and turn around that to the community that is that has been supporting me, the community of friends and family. So that's sort of what I would like to share back because this is the reason why I'm doing this because I think this sharing would help others along the way. And I am also in a support group now helping other women who have who are or will be going through exactly what I'm going Wonderful. through. Wonderful. Yeah, so I've been helping a couple of people and it's just a, it's so amazing um, and understanding that things do happen for a reason. Wow, that's amazing, Shu. And and if anybody um, wants support uh, with these kind of issues, is there anyone? So, because I know you've got you've had an incredible experience with our healthcare system here in Victoria. Is there anything that um, that you feel like people should know about where to go, maybe to get more information? Maybe they're feeling like they need some information for themselves. Yes, yeah, so I can only speak to breast cancer related. And in Australia, the, uh, the awareness for breast cancer is amazing. 
there's so much research and funding provided to that. So I'm really grateful for that. Uh, There are a couple of places that is the source of truth that you should go to, not Dr. Google. And that is the uh, Breast Cancer Network Association. The uh, Pink Hope Community. And there is also uh, Think Pink Community. They're all pink. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, there's the the Cancer Council, which they have a dedicated um, section on breast cancer. So these are the three places that I go to for source of truth and they're amazing resources they can be very interactive and and because they're also on facebook a very close group you have to sort of get to join in so you actually do communicate with others who are in your same situation as you and also professionals great thank you shu and we'll put those links in the episode um, yep. notes as well so Thank you so much, Shu. It's been a pleasure to speak to you about this. I know that I'm the first person you've probably told this story in this way too. So thank you so much. I feel very privileged uh, to be on the recipient end of that. And um, and also just um, wishing you the very best and continued resilience because I, you know, there are things I know that you still need to do. Um, And so, uh, and also absolutely supporting you in all the decisions you make about taking care of yourself uh, still um, and making sure you don't take on on things, uh, absolutely. So thank you so much, Shu. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks for being here, really appreciate it. Thank you, Josephine. It's my pleasure too. Thank you.